0: Psalms chapter 23, most of you could quote it with me. But it begins by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Lord, I'd ask that you'd speak to hearts through your word, that you glorify your Son tonight through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, through the power of your word. Father, I'm unable, I'm incapable, but Father, I know that you're always able. And Lord, I want to ask you tonight to do the work that only you can do. Father, the real tragedy is when we believe we can do anything in and of ourselves. But God, I just ask you to use me in a way that gives you glory. there's one amongst us that's lost and undone, Lord, show them their need of Christ's salvation. Lord, one that's discouraged that you'd uplift them, and one that's haughty, they'd be abased. But God, whatever the need, meet it according to your will. Lord, we do love you tonight. Father, we thank you for the blessed hope of the soon coming of your Son. Lord, I look for him, not like I ought to, but I do look for him, Lord. And I pray that he'd come soon. Father, we're looking for it. We ask all these things in the precious name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Uh, I'd say most of us have read this psalm, in fact, many, many times. We've been to funerals and heard it preached on. You may have been to weddings and heard it preached on. You've probably been in seniors meetings and heard it preached on. You may have even taught Sunday schools to little ones and taught it yourself. But tonight, I just want to take a few moments, and I believe this is the mind of God for us, and I just want to walk through this passage And I want us to consider the mind of this sheep that's riding this. The Bible teaches us that this is David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. David was a man that was familiar with the attitude of sheep, but he was also a man that was familiar with the heart of a shepherd. David was a man that knew what it was to love his sheep. David was a man that knew what it was to protect his sheep. David was a man that knew what it was to care for sheep. And it's interesting, knowing all that sheep require, that David put himself in the place of the sheep. David did not say that my Lord is like a uh, cattle hand, herding cattle. He didn't say that the Lord is my administrator. He didn't say that the Lord is my CEO. He didn't say any number of things that I suppose David could have said. He didn't even say the Lord is my king. You know, a king may have some very good subjects, but a shepherd only has sheep. Now, there's no question David felt as though the Lord was his king. In fact, he said that the Lord said to my Lord, and he was speaking of his Lord. But in Psalms 23, he places himself in a place of total dependency in the mind of those that would read and sing this psalm. And he says a few things, and I just want to group them very simply. we got Nanner Puddin waiting, and I know better than to start a riot, amen? But I just want to look at a few things, and I want to say that as we examine David's thoughts, we find that they fall into three basic categories. You may have heard this before. But I want us to note, first off, that David says a few things that are introspective. Some of you may know what that means, others may not. It basically means looking inside of himself. David looks at his present situation. He looks at himself and he makes a few statements. A few of David's statements are what we would call retrospective or reflective. David looks backward in his life. And he sees himself and he sees the hand and power of God in his life. And he says, you know, God's been there. Not just that the Lord is my shepherd, but the Lord has been my shepherd. And then he looks into the future and what we might call prospective thinking. He looks beyond his present. He looks beyond his past. And he looks at the future that he has with the Lord. Can I make a statement to you tonight? Your present ain't worth a plug nickel if you don't have the Lord. And your future is worth even less. Your past is what matters if you don't know the Lord. But I'm thankful tonight, hallelujah, that if we know the Lord, it's not our past that matters as much, but it's His cross that has erased our sinful past, given us a present worth living and a future worth looking forward to. David makes a few statements, and I want to start, look at verse number one and probably some of the most familiar and recognizable portion of Scripture in all the Word of God, when he says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's speaking of his present situation and his present relationship, and notice that the thing that defines it is his relationship to the Lord. Now, David was a king, and no doubt David could have said, I am a mighty king, but that's not what he used to identify himself. And David could have said, you know, I'm the sweet psalmist of Israel. I'm a talented musician. But he didn't use that to define himself. He could have said, I'm a beloved character. He could have said, I am a man used of God. He could have said, God put me where I'm at and in my position. But David said none of these things. When David wanted to define himself, he did not define himself in light of his accolades or achievements, but rather in light of the Lord's relationship to him. Until we as believers begin to understand that if we're anything, we're that by the Lord, we're never going to get anywhere. I mean, until we come to the place where what defines us is that the Lord is my shepherd. That has to be the chief thing. You see, i tell you a lot of the reason I believe we have a hard time winning people to the Lord, because they see our lives and they see that we're more proud of who we are than who the Lord is. They see our lives, and they see that we're more proud of what we've done than what the Lord's done. And so they have a real problem trying to listen to what we say when we say all that matters is knowing the Lord. The fact of the matter is, David said, no, it's not about me. It's about who my shepherd is. He distinguishes the Lord, Jehovah, the God of Israel, the God of creation, the God that has created all things, the God that we know as the Lord or our heavenly Father. He says, "That, that Lord, He is my shepherd. He distinguishes it as a personal, possessive application. He says, not just the Lord is a shepherd. And let me tell you something. This is where the rubber meets the road. Is everybody okay tonight? Is everybody all right? I hope we are. Everybody seems a little bit sleepy. Amen. Uh, Maybe you're just a little bit twitchy about that banana pudding. I don't know. Everybody just, everybody raise your hand for me. Would you do that? Raise your hand. Alright, raise the other one. All right, everybody clap. All right, do it again. All right, let's... Keep going. I'll drink it in. That's the only applause I'm going to get tonight. Amen. All right. We're all a little better now. You see, David doesn't just say the Lord is a shepherd. The world doesn't mind you saying Christ is a savior. They get upset when you say he is the savior and he is my savior. The world don't have a problem with you knowing something as long as you knowing something don't mess up their system of thinking. They don't mind you, and listen, this is where the rubber meets the road, okay? Because this is what defines churches and ministries. This is what defines our Christian walk. Listen to me, this is the sword that is sent to devour and the sword that divides asunder in families that Christ spoke of. Listen carefully. People don't get upset about what you will say. They get upset about what you will say about what they believe. Listen to me. People are okay. You can say that you believe Christ is is the way, but if you tell them that they're wrong for believing He's not the only way, that's when people get upset. Yeah, and you, you can say, I believe in old-time Christianity, and I believe in in worshiping in spirit and in truth, and that don't bother people. But now, when you say something about contemporary religion or dead religion, that bothers people. You see, there's a difference here, and David is is culling the herd, so to speak. David is making a distinguishing statement. He does not just say the Lord is a shepherd. It doesn't bother the pagans to say that that Jesus Christ is a God. That doesn't bother them. The Muslims believe that Jesus Christ is a prophet. Uh, the, the Mormons believe in what they think is Jesus Christ. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe in what they think is Jesus Christ. But when you say the Lord is my shepherd, not just a, a shepherd, but the shepherd, and he's my shepherd. That's a distinguishing thing. That's when you begin to lose friends. But let me tell you something. You're never going to help those friends if you're not willing to make that distinction. Because it don't help anybody knowing that Jesus Christ is a God. They have to know that he is the God. It doesn't help anybody to know that the Word of God is truth until they know it is the truth. That's when the distinction is made. I mean, it doesn't help anyone to believe that we have some of the Word of God that don't help anybody. Where is it? If we just have some of it, where is it? If we just have the, the ideas of God, where is it? That doesn't help anybody. That doesn't that doesn't change anything. But now when you say we have the perfect, inspired, plenary, perfect, perfect, spotless, without error, preserved, inspired Word of God, that's when you begin to lose people. People get upset at that. You know why? Because if you say your Bible's right, you're saying their Bible's wrong. I mean, common sense dictates that. But do we stand on truth or don't we? See, David says the Lord is my shepherd. He says, I know he is a shepherd and I know he is the shepherd. But he goes further and he says he's my shepherd. What a blessed thought. David speaks of a person. You don't get much more personal of a relationship than between a shepherd and his sheep. They spend day and night together. The shepherd is responsible for the tending and watch care. And not just like cattle. I mean cattle, let's be honest now, cattle really don't take a whole lot of watching to do, do they really? I mean, I had a cow when I was growing up. Uh, now they take a lot of work when, when it comes wintertime. time. You gotta winter them, you gotta feed them. I understand that. When I was growing up, tell me this is not the most hillbilly thing you've ever heard in your life. My first, my first pickup truck I got by trading a cow for it. That's certified redneck right there. I mean, that's that's not none of this buy a new pair of boots and, and you know, and the latest country CD and I'm a redneck. I mean, that's bona fide. That's redneck right there. But I uh, I uh had bought a, a cow from my granddaddy. He had bought it at auction. He didn't want it, so I, I bought it from him. And and uh, I didn't ever have to do nothing with that cow. I just ran with the other cows. But now sheep didn't like that. You see, the cows, you get the right fencing up and they're all right. Uh Their chances are they're not going to get out. A sheep will look for every opportunity that they can to get out. You know, you and me, we look for every opportunity we can to get out. We look for every opportunity we can. You know, that's why that Paul said uh, to give no occasion to the flesh and to give no place to the devil. Because all he's looking for and all your flesh is looking for is a place. And they can find it. That that's all they need. No, you and I, you see, we're looking for a place to get out. We have to have a lot of watch care. Aren't you thankful that we have a Lord that watches over us? and has that much watch go listen to me. If it was up to me, you better be thankful I'm not God, all right? it feels up to me, uh, there wasn't a single one of you be in good shape. I'm thankful that the Lord is God. I'm thankful that not only is He God, but He's my shepherd. Because He's my shepherd, David says, I shall not want. We can take that a lot of different ways. And I know that theologians or theologians falsely so-called have debated for many, many moons about what that means. Does it mean I will never have a need? Or does it mean that in having the Lord, I will never have a desire for anything else? What does it mean? Well, I believe it means a lot of things, but I believe it means this, to put it very simply. It's the shepherd's responsibility to see to the needs of his sheep and the sheep. If he's got the shepherd, he's got all of his needs met. You see, a sheep without a shepherd is helpless. But a sheep that's got a shepherd is absolutely providentially provided for in every way, shape, fashion or form. You see, it's all about the shepherd. The sheep isn't looking for the shepherd for part of his provision. He's looking to the shepherd for all of it. The sheep isn't looking to the shepherd for part of his protection. He's looking to him for all of it. And David makes a very simple statement concerning his relationship to God by saying, because I have the Lord as my shepherd, I have everything that I'll need. I may not have everything I'll ever want, but I have everything that I'll ever need. In Him, I have all the things I could ever ask for. In Him, I have everything. Let me tell you something tonight. We've got to start preaching heaven sweet. we got to we got to start preaching Christ sweet to sinners. You know that? I mean, we need to preach hell hot. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying, I think we've downplayed how good the Lord is today. I think we need to be real open with sinners about what the Lord can do for them in their life. I believe the Lord comes and shows up in a person's life and saves them and changes their life. And I believe he gives them a peace that is absolutely incorruptible if they'll walk with the Lord. I believe he gives them a joy that no man can take from them. I believe, just like the psalmist said, I believe that any lost sinner that comes to know Christ could say, I shall not want. He, stop and think about it in your life. Since you've known the Lord, have you ever really done without? I don't, I don't mean done without the latest and greatest. I mean, have you ever really done without? Since you have known the Lord and since you've been walking and following Him, has there ever been a time in your life when He's let you starve? Most of us, we look like we got the opposite problem, amen? The fact of the matter is, David says about his current situation, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Later on in verse, I believe it's uh, number four, look at what he says. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David speaks of the comfort of the Lord in his life. He speaks of the peace that he has through the Lord and the understanding that his steps are divinely ordered. You know, a sheep doesn't decide where he wants to graze at. The shepherd does. A sheep doesn't determine where he's going to pastor. The shepherd does. The sheep doesn't determine his agenda for the day. The shepherd does. And so as the sheep looking to his shepherd, David says, if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that thou art with me. David makes no provision for the absence of the Lord because a good shepherd is not absent. A good shepherd is present there. Uh, The shepherd in the New Testament that went after the one lost and lonely sheep would only do so because the rest of his flock was safe within their fold. The fact of the matter is, you and I, we have the promise of the presence of the Lord in our lives. Now, let me say there's a difference between the uh, particular presence of God and between uh, the experiential presence of God. God is always with us, though we may not always feel Him with us. But now the psalmist, he said here, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He says, not only, Lord, are you with me, but I can get from you what I need, the encouragement and strength and peace that I so desperately need when I need it. David has some introspective thoughts here, but he has some retrospective thoughts. He looks backward in his life and over his time on this earth, and he says in verse number 2, He maketh me to lie down in green pasture." He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Listen, we'd be here all night if I said everything I want to say about this. But isn't it just interesting that we have to be made to lay down in green pastures? You'd think if there's any place we'd want to lay down as sheep, it'd be in the green pastures. Could it be that as sheep, we're not always aware how green the pasture is? Could it be that as sheep, we're not always aware that where we're at is where we need to be. There's no saying, we've heard it, probably said it many times, that the grass is always greener on the other side. There's a reason we believe that way. That's human nature, to never be satisfied with our situation. Let me tell you something. You don't have to learn to be satisfied with your situation if you can learn to be satisfied with the Savior. That'll trump your situation every time. The reason we have to be made to lie down is we don't always feel like it is green pastures. Sometimes we're expecting something greater and something grander. But I'm thankful that I have a shepherd in my life that at times... And listen, I can look back in my life and I can see times when I thought the pasture wasn't green enough, but the Lord made me lie down. Situations I wasn't happy with, but I'm sure thankful now that He didn't move me out of them at that time. Things in my life I was dissatisfied with uh, that I looked at and in my flesh and in my carnality I complained about. But I'm thankful that in those times, I didn't realize how green the pasture was. The Lord made me lie down. He made me stay in a situation that I wouldn't have stayed in on my own because he had something greater and grander for me. He leadeth me beside the still water. Uh, I could say a lot about this. We've all heard the stories about the uh, sheep trying to make their way down. If the water is rushing, they will not go down. There's a great danger and on and on. Can I just say I'm thankful he knows where the still waters are. He knows where the peace is. He knows where the strength is. He knows where the nourishment is. He knows where the shade trees are. Can I say it that way? The Lord knows not only what you need, but he knows where you can find it. The Lord has given us, aren't you thankful we have the Bible? Aren't you thankful we have the love letter from God, divinely inspired and providentially preserved for you and I, that we may read it and adhere to its words and gain the comfort and peace that we need from it? Aren't you thankful that God's given us still waters to walk beside? You say, why is it still waters? It never changes. (laughs) It never changes. It's always the same. You say, oh, preacher, I don't believe that's talking about still water. Well, you believe what you want to. Amen. You leave me alone. Let me believe what I want to about it. I see that it's the perfect law of liberty and that it's a mirror that we can look into and examine our lives a lot like still waters. I see that it's a place of nourishment and replenishment and refreshment a lot like still waters. I see that it's a place where the shade can be found and we can rest our weary souls. And that looks like the shade tree beside the still waters to me. I think God's given us a place where we can go and get what we need. And David looks back in his life and he says, you know, he's always led me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd knows the right way to go. Sometimes there's pathways that seem more uh, accommodating to the sheep. Listen carefully. I know I'm not doing doing backflips. Sometimes there's pathways that seem more accommodating to the sheep. But the shepherd's been there before and he knows the right pathway to take. If you're going to try to run your life, go ahead and try to run it. You'll make a wreck of it because you've not been this way before and you don't know these paths. But you've got a shepherd that does. You've got a shepherd that's been there before. You've got a shepherd that is the author and finisher of your faith and knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. You've got a shepherd that's been there before and he leadeth us in paths of righteousness. Notice this. For his name's sake. You know, this thing ain't about you. <laughs> you know, the sheep exists to benefit the shepherd. And the shepherd exists to bless the sheep. Now, that's the way that relationship works. I understand that you might raise sheep for a slaughter or for sacrifice, but the typical shepherd in these times, unless they were raising a a flock particularly for sacrifice, typically only one sheep would come out of it each year, two sheeps or three, however many, but the whole flock wouldn't be. Usually they were raised for their wool. That's what they were raised for. They typically were not raised for slaughter or sacrifice, but for their wool. You see... You know, the Bible speaks in the New Testament that the woman's glory is her hair. So it sounds to me like that sheep was given its glory to its shepherd to benefit him. And that shepherd was watching over that sheep. But the only reason he watched over that sheep is because that sheep could give him glory. You see, at the end of the day, it's all about his glory. What's well, all about every bit of that we might be under the praise of his glory. It's not about you. He's not leading you in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. He's leading you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Preacher, I I don't see why God convicted me about this. You don't have to see why. He's leading you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Preacher, I don't like this. The Lord dealt with me about this. and I I don't like this. I don't want to do this in my life. Well, that's okay, sheep. Because it's not about you any more than it's about me. It's about the chief shepherd. That's who it's about. And he's leading you in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. He says, thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You look back over your life and you see where God protected you. Can you look back in your life and see where God gave you favor with people and where God made a way when there was no way to be made? I mean, that's about as unlikely thing as you can have, is that in the presence of your enemies, there'd be a table set for you and a place of nourishment and a place of rest and a place of honor. David looks back, and certainly David could say this, he could look back at his life when God took him and put him into favor with the Philistine king and allowed him to live. When God had, for a short period of time, put him in favor with the man that would be his mortal enemy in his life. When God had time and time and time again preserved David and prepared a table for him in the presence of his enemy. He watched over him. He protected him. But then he goes to the perspective. He says, Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Now, we've moved past the language of just a shepherd and sheep. And yet still these truths are correlating one to another because he's speaking. You wouldn't prepare a cup for a sheep. David, almost as though he's just overtaken with the goodness of God, moves outside the realm of the metaphor that he had been using. He just speaks of the goodness of God when he says, Thou anointest my head with oil. Oil, many times in the Word of God, is a picture of the Holy Ghost, particularly as it relates to anointing. He says, Not only have you done all this in my life, but you've given me the Holy Ghost to live within me. I understand, I understand in David's life that the Holy Ghost didn't indwell people, uh, perpetually and eternally. I understand that. But the Bible speaks of the Spirit of the Lord being upon David. And there's no question that you and I, brother and sister, we got something better than David had. Because we don't just have the Holy Ghost on us, we have him in us. He's living within us. You see, it's the shepherd that's allowed for that. And he said, my cup runneth over. I like those. Old B.R. Lake, and you say, I like them, I, I, I like them running over crowd. <laughs> He said, I don't like that cup half full crowd. He said, I I like that cup running over crowd. He said, it it blesses me to see people get blessed. When Brother Cup runs over, Brother Saucer gets some too. I like people that are so aware of the goodness of God. By the way, you know we should be. We ought to be able to take, we could take any one day out of our life and shout the rest of glory over the goodness of God just in that one day. I mean, hey, you woke up this morning and you was not in hell. That ought to be enough. That ought to be enough. But then beyond that, most of us rolled out of a bed nicer than 90% of the world sleeps in. And we got in a car nicer than 90% of the world owns. We ate a good breakfast, maybe not good for us, amen, but a good breakfast better than most of the world will eat. On and on we could go. We're here in a country where at least for now we can worship in freedom and in liberty. That ought to be enough even in and of itself. And then you multiply on top of that the blessings of heaven and the goodness of God in the past and the promises of God in the future. I think you and I, like David, ought to be able to say, my cup runneth over. I mean, God's not just been good to me. He's been great to me. I mean, God's not just took care of me. He's took over and made something greater out of my life than I could have ever done. God has not just pleased me, but he's given me joy. God's not just satisfied me, but he has absolutely stupefied me by his goodness. He says, My cup runneth over. I give you one last thing, I'll hush. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He speaks of the prospective truths. He says, I look at my present and see some things. I look in my past and I see some things, but I look into my future and I see some things, because of who my shepherd is. And he says, concerning his walk on this earth, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm interested by those two statements, those two thoughts. Anything could have been put there, Brother Ralph, uh, and would have had some degree of truth. Certainly in our life, uh, mercy and grace will follow us all the days of our life. Uh, Surely in our life, uh, truth and righteousness, and on and on we could go. And yet the Bible says goodness and mercy. Wonder why that is. I like to think it's because of this. We see in the picture of the shepherd leading the sheep, and before the sheep is the shepherd. That's who he's looking to. That's who's guiding him. But behind him is the wake of his life, whatever he's lived and whatever he's done. And do you know that as you look back in your life, you'll find that everything after you've been saved has fallen into two categories. You'll see the goodness of God and you'll see the mercy of God. You'll look back in your life and you'll see where God's been good to you that you didn't deserve. it. You'll, you'll look back in your life and you'll see where God has been good to you when you wasn't good to him. You'll see all the good that God has done. But let me tell you something. There's a tendency for us to also see all the bad that we've done. What, what tends to the bad? The mercy of God. You'll see places where you went your way and God protected you. You'll see places where you did your thing and God did His thing. You'll see places in your life where you messed up and where He covered up. You'll see not only the goodness of God, but you'll see the mercy of God. What better future could we have? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's better than that? Who'd have ever thought that sheep dwell in the Lord's house? Who'd have ever thought about that? Who would have ever thought? I mean, typically the sheep's place is not in the shepherd's house. But then you and I, brother, we've been elevated beyond that of just sheep. We're sons. We're sons. In this life, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. the sheep. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 4, that the chief shepherd will appear one day with a crown of glory that fadeth not away. At that point, we'll no longer be just sheep to a shepherd. I understand, beloved, now are we the sons of God. I'm aware of that. What I'm saying is there's a brighter future and a better day coming. And we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever, forever. That's pretty high living for just a sheep, don't you think? That's pretty high living for a barnyard animal. That's pretty high living for somebody that was destined for the slaughterhouse anyway. That's pretty high living. You know why this is? And I'll say this in hush. The reason is because just as John cried out that day and said, Behold the Lamb of God. He was slain as a sheep. As a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. When he resurrected the third day, he didn't get up his sheep. He got up his shepherd for you and I. Now, all we like sheep have gone astray, turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You and I, we have a relationship now with a shepherd, one that leads and guides us. I wonder in your life tonight, there may be some areas in your life where you've been looking for a hole in the fence. You may have even got out. Can I tell you that the shepherd's ready to forgive you? And He's ready to draw you back close to Himself. Whatever it is in your life, I'm going to promise you something tonight. I'm going to say the Lord's ready to work in your life. He's ready to forgive you and He's ready to work. And He's ready to draw you closer to Himself.